praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquity. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows how we are formed, and he remembers that we are only dust. This is God's word for God's people. Now, as we find ourselves in times of transition and times of stress and times of difficulty and times of hardship, we feel a lot of pressure from a lot of different areas because what is happening in this world is beyond our control. And I think a lot of us find ourselves worrying about a lot of things, whether it's worrying about our family, worrying about our health, worrying about our jobs or how we're going to make ends meet, worrying about people who we can't keep in touch with or can't go visit, can't are not able to check on, worrying about our kids and worrying that they might never ever go back to school again. But in addition to all these things, I think what's most important and what's critical is not what's going on outside of us and not the things that we can't control, but to make sure that we manage the things that we can control and particularly learn to manage our our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings and what's going on inside of us. Because see, there's a progression going on in America what, and in the world. What started as a health crisis, a legitimate health crisis, when a lot of people started getting sick from this incurable bug, has developed into an economic crisis as businesses have been shuttered and people have lost their job. And now we're going from a health crisis to an economic crisis to a mental health crisis. The Washington Post just this week published an article that said the coronavirus is harming the mental health of tens of millions of people in the United States. The article says that the COVID-19 pandemic has escalated into a nationwide psychological trauma. 45% of adults say the pandemic has affected their mental health and 19% say that it has had a major impact on their mental health. So we have a economic crisis, we have a pandemic or a health crisis, but we also are living in the midst of a mental health crisis. And so what I want to do today 
is show you some resources that you can use for your own mental health. Because like our physical health, we can develop habits that degrade our health or habits that preserve our health. We can we can live an unhealthy life or we can live a healthy life. And I believe that the gospel gives us the tools and gives us the resources to protect and preserve our mental health, even in tremendously difficult places. So I'm not a psychologist. I don't pretend to give psychiatric advice, but I believe that that the greatest source for mental health and mental healing and, and, um, and personal renewal comes through understanding and applying the word of God to our life and the truths of God to our life. Because what this psalm is, is self-consciously and explicitly tells us to do is to engage in a particular kind of self-talk. Because mental health, in large part, consists of not of what other people say to us, important as that is, but ultimately what defines our mental health, or essentially one of the things that's most powerful in defining our mental health, is what we say to ourselves. The voices in our head and what they are saying and what they are affirming. Now, this whole idea of self-talk was, was very popular in psychiatric circles, I think, especially in the 90s and in the noughts. And it became kind of ridiculous. And you, you know, something has really made it when it starts getting parodied on Saturday Night Live. And there was a Saturday Night Live comedian named Tavis Smiley, was actually played by, by Al Franken, some of you remember him. But he would would portray one of these 90s uh, psychiatrists wearing his sweater, and he'd start every day looking in the mirror, and he'd say, Tavis, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And that was his example and his model of speaking positive truths to himself. Now, obviously, that's ridiculous, because if people like you, people like you. You don't tell yourself people like you, people tell you that they like you. But for the Christian, what the Word of God in general gives us, and what Psalm 103 in particular gives us, is truths that we can speak to ourselves. Some people call this preaching the gospel to ourselves. And as we do that, we can we can preserve and protect our own mental and spiritual and emotional health. And that's what he's doing here in Psalm 103. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, praise his holy name. He's not offering here a, a call to worship. He's calling himself to worship. He's talking to himself. He's telling himself or reminding himself that first and foremost, in the midst of everything that's going on around him, the most important thing is that he should be remembering to praise God, and he needs to remember God's great gifts to him. And this is an example of someone taking charge of their thoughts, making a personal commitment to directing their thoughts in a positive direction, and remembering God's gifts and God's grace and God's graciousness towards them. And, and so that's, that's the first step to preserving and protecting our mental health, even in the midst of tremendous stress, is reminding ourselves 
and disciplining ourselves to focus our mind on truths that matter. What does he say? He says, forget not all his benefits. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This is in verse one. You might want to find this psalm in your Bible or on your phone so you can follow along. But in verse one, he says, you know, my problem is the reason I'm worried, the reason I'm concerned, the reason I'm having a breakdown now is I've forgotten the benefits that God has given to me. But if I can remember those things, I can keep my life in perspective. And this process of remembering God's benefits, remembering God's grace, and remembering God's love for us is, is a process we sometimes refer to as meditation. Now, that sounds super spiritual, probably, to some of you. You think of a monk on a mountaintop or or uh, nuns in a monastery sitting in silence with their arms open, uh, contemplating the deep things of God, but it's actually not that spiritual. Meditation is something we're always doing all the time, and the problem is just that we tend to meditate on the wrong things most of the time. Now, have any of you spent any time worrying in the last couple days or weeks or months? What is worry? Worry is when you contemplate things that might go wrong, and then you think of all the implications of those mishaps. You say, well, if this happens, if the kids can't go to school, then I'm going to have to find someone to watch them. If I have to find someone to watch them, then it's going to perfect affect my ability to do my job. And if I can't do my job, then then I might lose my job. And then if I lose my job, I won't be able to pay the rent. If I can't pay the rent, then we're going to be homeless. And it's all going to happen because the kids might not be able to go back to school. And see, when we worry, we're just thinking through the possibilities of bad things that might happen until we're experiencing all those bad things before they happen. But Christian reflection or meditation is the discipline of taking our worries and taking our fears and laying them at the feet of God and trusting and believing that God is in control, that God's got this, and that God's benefits to us and God's grace to us far surpass all the threats in this world to us. And so that's, that's all Christian meditation is. And if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. It's just the discipline or the habit of focusing on God's gifts and God's grace and God's truth and God's power and letting all of the circumstances, which legitimately can be grim and can be difficult and can be painful at times, but we can take all of those circumstances and hold them up against God's power, God's goodness, and God's love for us. And so that's what he reminds himself to do. That's Christian self-talk. That's, in essence, preaching the gospel to ourselves. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he talks about some of what those are. He forgives all of our sins. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. And so he's reminding himself that, well, I've done some things wrong, but God forgives all of my sins. God can redeem my life. God will heal me. And then he even goes back further. He says, look at verse 7. 
he made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. So why does he bring up Moses? You know, this was written about a thousand years ago, but it was still about three or 4,000 years after Moses had done his thing. But he brings up Moses, that historical event. Well, when the people of Israel thought about Moses, they remembered the time when they were all slaves in Egypt. At the time, Egypt was the one superpower in the world. They were all slaves in Egypt, but Moses was the great leader who helped them escape from slavery and brought them into the promised land. And they commemorated that event every year in, at the celebration of Passover. That's what, what the uh, people of Israel commemorate when they celebrate Passover is, is Moses leading the people out of slavery and into the promised land and that great escape that was orchestrated by God. And that always stood for the people of Israel as a reminder that God is with them, that God can save them and God can, can help them even when they're in helpless and devastating and unmanageable circumstances, God can help them find hope and find restoration and find freedom. Now, the, the Jews on an annual basis celebrate Passover to be reminded of these things. But what happened during Holy Week, it actually, the reason Easter and Passover coincide is because, is because the Last Supper of Jesus actually was a Passover meal. And they gathered, Jesus gathered with his disciples for the purpose of celebrating Passover, to, to celebrate Passover dinner. But Jesus said, from now on, everything's changed. From now on, don't remember Moses. From now on, remember me. When things get tough, remember that I died for you to take away all of your sins. When things look hopeless, remember that I conquered death and rose again from the dead for you. And so I'll be able to restore all things. So when when the psalmist says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, he's calling Christians, followers of Christ, to remember the reality that Jesus has died to take away our sins, the reality that Jesus rose again and is in the process of making all things new. And because of that, we can have hope no matter how desperate our circumstance might seem at this time. So in the midst of our worries, in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our fears, look back at the life of Jesus, at the victory of Jesus, and trust in him and let that put all of your problems into perspective. But it's not just about not forgetting the past and what God has done for us in the past. It's also about visualizing the future and the hope that we have because of what we believe God is going to do in the future. We're not living in despair that things are only going to get worse, but we're living in hope that God is working even through these difficult times and even through the problems and the challenges we're facing to bring us into a better future, a future that's greater than anything we can imagine. Verse four puts it this way, he redeems your life from the pit. In other words, 
He brings us back from the dead. That was literally true in the life of Jesus when he was buried and then brought back from the dead. But it's also true in all of our lives as God takes difficult and devastating circumstances and by his power and through his grace works in those circumstances to accomplish things that we can't imagine. And that's a hope that we have, even if we find ourselves in difficult and devastating circumstances right here and right now. The God who raised Jesus from the dead is going to be is going to redeem your life. He's going to work all of these things together for good. And he's going to take the pain. He's going to take the sorrow. He's going to take the losses of this moment and use them to accomplish something that's greater than anything we can imagine. And that's the promise for all of God's children in the midst of difficulties. We look at the past and we might be filled with regret. We look at the future and we might be filled with faith, but the, excuse me, filled with fear. But the heart of faith is to recognize that because God redeemed the biggest tragedy through the death of his son, And God showed us through the sending of his son that he is committed to us. If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If we know that, if we believe that, if we don't forget that, then right here and right now in our pain, in our struggle, in our loss, in our anxiety, we can Praise the Lord. And that leads me to the final point. You know, mental health is all about not being enchained by the past, not being paralyzed by fear of the future. And thirdly, being able to rest in the present, being able to live in the present. And in the present, what is our status? He says, God has forgiven all of our sins and washed away all of our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sins from us. And so our new status as those who have been forgiven by God is what redefines who we are. Those who God has forgiven, those who are no longer bankrupt, those who are no longer broken, but those who are restored. And it goes on to say that that just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who love him. And so we're living in the presence of the Father's love. We know that God sees our challenges, God sees our struggles, God sees our difficulties, and he's able to and committed to responding with compassion to those things. God is with us and his gifts and his grace are upon us. And Here's the amazing thing. I, you know, I think sometimes that all sounds so abstract to me. That all sounds so far-fetched to me because the things that are absolutely devastating my life, I realize in the grand scheme of the universe that God is running and the work that God is doing around the world, those things are almost too trivial to notice. But for God to have compassion on us, it means that he knows those things and he is actively working to resolve those problems. And it says, I like what verse 14 says, God remembers how we are made and he knows that we are only dust. 
He knows, in other words, the realities of our weakness and our vulnerabilities and our struggles. He knows what is trivial to him is catastrophic to us because of how small we are and because of how vulnerable we are. And God looks at us, even though we're made of mere dust, and he has compassion on us. In fact, his compassion is so great that he became dust. What's the story of Jesus? What's the story of Christmas? It's the story of God becoming man, the word of God becoming flesh, or in other words, becoming dust like us and entering into our struggle, entering into our poverty, entering into our vulnerability, entering into the injustice of this world, entering into the random disasters of this world, entering into even pain and loss and heartbreak. Why? So that he could redeem us in the midst of our pain and loss and heartbreak, so that he could redeem even the broken circumstances that we find ourselves in. And people ask, where is God in this crisis? And the answer is, he's right in the middle of it, because God has come down. When Jesus was born, when Jesus' birth was predicted, they said, you'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And that's the hope that we have. And he came came and entered into our struggle. He entered into our pain, entered into our loss, so that through him entering in, he could redeem all of our loss. He could redeem all of our pain. He could redeem all of our fears. And through in and through all of these things, begin to make all things new. And so what the Bible says is for the followers of Christ, for the people who put their trust in the God who raises the dead, that all of the struggles we have, all of the challenges we have, all of the losses we have are contributing to molding us into the people that God wants us to be, are contributing to shaping the new kingdom that he's bringing through us and contributing to make us, making us into people who he can use in profound ways. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows, he knows us, knows how we are made, and remembers that we are only dust. You know, part of being a father is recognizing that sometimes you have to say no to your kids. Sometimes you have to do things that your kids won't understand. Sometimes fathers even have to upset their kids. But it's never because they're disregarding their kids. It's never because they don't want to help. It's, it's because they can't, in that moment, explain what they're doing. But always and forever, our Father in heaven has our best in mind. And he's working through all these circumstances to accomplish something that's greater than anything we can imagine. He's working in your difficult circumstance to reveal himself to you and to make you into someone who will reflect his glory and his grace and his love to the world. Where is God right now? He's right here with us. He doesn't run from suffering like I do. He enters into it to redeem it 
and to restore it. And we can remember to be present with him, we'll experience healing from him. And that will move us to praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits. As we worship, as we praise him, he is present with us and his power is at work amongst us. So I would just encourage you for your mental health, encourage all of us for our mental health to use this time to meditate, to reflect on God's benefits for you, and to use the resources that God has given us to, through music, through prayer, through, through his word, to recenter your mind on his truth and the hope that we have as those who know God as our Father. And let's pray. Father, a lot of people are going through tremendously challenging times right now. And you know each one of them. You know their names. You know their challenges. You know their worries. You know their fears. I pray that you would remind us of your grace and your love. Remind us of your sufficiency and your sovereignty. And move us, O oh Lord, to rest in you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.